people are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 444. I'm Andrew. I'm Pamela. And we have a guest this week, Rachel Ritlop. Hi, Rachel. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you. You actually um, aren't one of our listeners. We have a listener on from time to time. But um, you run a website called theconfusedmillennial.com, and that's how we discovered you. What else can you tell us about you and this website that you do? Yeah, um, I mean, that's super broad. So <laughs> I'll keep it really short. Basically, uh, I was going through my quarter life crisis, I got fired twice in under a month. And I knew I couldn't go back into the workforce. And long story short, one morning, I was crying to my husband, I'm just another confused millennial that has no idea what I'm doing with my life. And I grabbed my laptop, because it was like a lightning bolt had hit me and I saw the domain was available. And two days later, I had a blog with a logo and four blog posts. And that <laughs> was two plus years ago. That's awesome. Well, we're going to yeah. talk to you more about it later on because I, I, I see you as like one of these leaders of, of millennials. Like you're trying to help people, people like us. And obviously, with us being called millennial, we thought it would be nice to have you on to talk about millennials. <laughs> Definitely, it's been an interesting ride. I ended up kind of get—I ended up getting tapped by Forbes to write for their under thirty section at one point. So Whoa. I feel like I end up. I kind of fell into having to become like this millennial expert without realizing that that's what I was going to fall into. <laughs> that's what, why can't people see us as millennial experts? Where's, why can't Forbes come to us? <laughs> like, I'm happy for you, Rachel, but can they come Thank to us you. too, please? <laughs> anyway, um, it's also nice to have you on because one of our other co-hosts, Laura, is not on this week. So uh, thank you for kind of filling in for her. So we wanted to talk about a few things this week. I think Rachel was actually commenting before we started recording that our show looks very structured and it does in the planning phase, but I think this will actually be more of a loose show because it's our last episode before the Thanksgiving break and, um, you know, Laura's out and she's like always wanting to make this so structured and serious and everything. So we're just going <laughs> to kind of have a relaxed show today, I think. But we do want to start out, start out with some uh, sad news. The shooting that happened in Thousand Oaks. I was very shocked by this one because I actually lived in Thousand Oaks for a year in 2014 with my ex-boyfriend. And even crazier, that bar was literally across the street from my apartment. So waking up to the news that this shooting in which 12 people died happened at Borderline, uh, I was just shocked. Pam, you stayed at, the, uh, you visited me at this apartment one time. And of course, you live in California. This was crazy, right? Oh, it was so crazy. I uh, I remember going out to your place at, at least a few times. I mean, it was kind of far away. I can't believe you guys moved so far from the city at one point. <laughs> I'll young. answer that in a you're second. Young, you but know, go on. And like the, all the actions in West Hollywood, North Hollywood, Silver Lake, all that good stuff. But yeah, no, uh, Thousand Oaks is such a sleepy little suburb. And uh, I know that 
wasn't your ex working at Channel Islands for a bit too? And that's part of the community as well. So exactly, it's just shocking. College students visit that borderline bar, and they were having a college country night. And that's actually why we moved to Thousand Oaks because Mike was at Cal. He was uh, er, not teaching. He was working at Cal State Channel Islands, which is even further away from Los Angeles. So we decided to live in between where he worked and L.A. And I needed a break from L.A., Pam. And I was like, Thousand Oaks? Cool. Britney Spears lives there. Her and I are going (laughs) to shop at the same Target. This sounds like a great place for me to live. So it was nice actually getting out of L.A. for a little bit. Um, And you, you nailed it. It's a sleepy town. You would never expect something like this to happen in Thousand Oaks, California. So... Just really sad, and our thoughts are with everybody who's been affected by the shooting. And as if that weren't bad enough, these forest fires, and I know you've kind of run into both of them over the past few days, haven't you, Pam? I have. I was out in LA this past week for about 10 days and uh, flying out of Long Beach, which is not very close to where this is happening. Long Beach is actually going towards Disneyland and the fires in Southern California are past Universal Studios. I feel like those are good landmarks for people that just come to vacation in California. But because of the winds, the smoke has traveled south. So leaving from Long Beach, it was just this thick fire haze until we got up to the elevated point that planes usually fly. And then you just couldn't see anything below until we got out of the area. And then, of course, I'm from um, the San Francisco Bay Area. And so flying back into the Bay Area, it was the same thing because we have fires up here in the north as well. So how the hell did both of these massive fires break out at the same time? I have no idea. I think I'm not sure because, you know, honestly, living in California, And keeping up with news in both of these regions, because I go back and forth, I feel like I kind of have a good scope for what's going on. But I wonder if people on the national scale know that California is burning from both ends, because I know Southern California fire is getting a lot of attention because so many celebrities are involved as well. But Mm -hmm. it's pretty devastating. I have no idea about the Northern fires. You didn't know that, Rachel? No, not at all. Yeah, so the Woolsey Fire is the one that's out in Southern California. And then we have the Campfire Wildfire Mm -hmm. up here, which is really bad. Last year, my family's home was actually in danger uh, because of the Tubbs County Fire Mm -hmm. up here Mm -hmm. in the north as well. Uh, But we didn't have to evacuate or anything like that, although we were on high alert for a few days. But Mm -hmm. it's just so awful that all of these people that are in the process still of rehabilitating from last year, we're just living in unhealthy air conditions and you can just smell the smoke because the winds are so strong. There's yeah. poor air quality warnings for the rest of the week out here too. So mm. it's just kind of this yearly occurrence and it's so sad that it's still happening. Yeah. 25 people have died and, and more are missing. So that death toll is likely to rise. And that Southern California California fire, that happened right over the mountains from Thousand Oaks. So Thousand Oaks, that Ventura County, that general area is just having a god-awful freaking week. Um, mm. So we're thinking of all, all y'all mm. who are out there. Yeah. In some other news, and we have some interesting stories to get to later today. We're going to kind of make an entertainment-focused episode out of 
uh, this edition of Millennial. We wanted to offer a couple updates on the midterms. First of all, the Arizona Senate race got interesting because Kristen Sinema, a de- Democrat, jumped ahead in the vote count and now leads her Republican challenger, Martha McSally, by 30,000 votes. This is big news because this used to be Jeff Flake's seat. He was a Republican and he was critical of Trump. I don't know if that played a role in this seat flipping blue, but it looks like Kristen Cinema is going to pull it out. So that's excellent news. Down in Florida, and Rachel actually lives in Florida, so I, I definitely want to get your take on this. Bill Nelson, the incumbent, who's the Democrat, was losing to Rick Scott, and he still is, but he has called up to him and votes so much that by law, uh, there is a manual recount happening now. Is that right? Yeah, they are recounting everything right now. The big, you know, where I am, everyone was really disappointed by Andrew Gillum's loss. Um, And that's kind of where everyone's focusing their attention, which is just more on like the local level, not so much the state governor level. Um, And it has been a nightmare. I have a lot of friends whose absentee balance weren't counted and they are it's going i mean it's florida i i knew as soon as they announced rick scott as governor and that andrew gillum had lost i was like they're gonna do a recount this is there's a lot of fishy stuff going on this time around Hmm. so that's interesting you said that your friends absentee ballots haven't been counted yeah how do they know that um, you know what? I didn't even ask. I had gotten the information. I was talking to another one of my friends who uh, her and her mom are both really involved with the MSD, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas uh, kids, and they work a lot with that whole movement, March for Our Lives, and making sure that the right people get into office this time around. So they go to all of the rallies and everything. And she was telling me um, about all of the people that we know whose absentee balance were counted. I didn't even ask her how she confirmed that information. My guess is they probably called somehow um, and mm. verified their number, I would think. Yeah. Um, what do you make of Trump's tweets? He's been saying that it's ridiculous. He's been saying that Florida <laughs> should accept the results that arrived on election night only. Anything after that, forget it. <laughs> yeah, it's because he's shaking in his boots. He, you know, it's honestly, I live in the county where Mar-a-Lago is, and it's honestly insane to me that that place hasn't been burned down yet because our <laughs> county hates him. Um, but he, li- it's like this, it's a weird island they live in that there's a lot of anti-Semitism. It's just, it's um your true, true old school Republican wasp, this one little part of our county. And um yeah, I, I I think that's I'm not surprised that he's saying that. That's what I would expect from him, unfortunately. Yeah. Nobody's surprised, but it's so sad. He's basic the president is basically saying that every vote doesn't matter, shouldn't count. Yeah, I mean he's also saying sexual harassment's okay and that we don't need gun reform. So Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I would I'm not so again it's, it's so terribly sad. Um, you know, I guess I just always try to focus on the silver lining of all of this, which is people are actually getting activated and engaged to make a change. Um, because this has been a brutal couple years so far. Yeah. And then one state away in Georgia, Brian Kemp has declared victory he was the republican is the republican 
uh, who seems to be ahead in the race, but Stacey Abrams isn't conceding until every last mail-in and provisional ballot is counted. So Arizona, Florida, and Georgia, three big races to watch. That Georgia one, by the way, is the uh, governor race, whereas the first two were Senate races. All right, so we're going to talk to Rachel more about what she does and her website in a second. But first, we have a new sponsor this week, and they are the go-to place for a thoughtful holiday gift. You know when you're trying to find a gift for someone and you're trying to think of something truly unique and personal? It can be difficult. We all sweat this every holiday season. You're looking for something that really connects with a loved one. May I suggest a personalized candle from Homesick Candles? Homesick candles come in unique scents that reflect all 50 of the United States and dozens of cities, college towns, and foreign countries. Homesick candles remind the recipient of a place that's closer to their heart, and each candle is made from a natural soy wax blend, premium cotton wicks, and is completely non-toxic. You can shop by holiday, countries, memories, states, cities. They've got so many clever categories and smells. These are great for people who are feeling homesick it brings back memories my boyfriend pat recently got me into candles and while i've liked the fall candles we've been obsessively huffing in recent months homesick candles take the enjoyment to the next level by reminding you of the good old days i ordered a books candle a pumpkin patch candle an american summer candle and and california (laughs) i don't think it smells like forest fires pam what type of candles did you get Well, I also ordered the pumpkin patch candle and I actually lit it on Halloween and it made my entire house smell so warm and cozy. These scents are really great because you pick up on a lot of the little nuances, but it's not super overpowering and it's almost kind of like it seeps into every corner of your house. So it's really nice, especially if you feel like you're a little worried because you're sensitive to scent. I feel like these are really well balanced. Um, And then I picked up Grandma's Kitchen which I thought was really fun as well. And then the Northern California candle and then also the holiday candle, which is kind of the one that I'll be burning around Christmas next month. Does that smell like the movie or what? Oh my God, if only, right? Every holiday candle smells like Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> the holiday candle sponsored like by Fantastic Peace. really nice and piney. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Those are great choices. Like I said, these are a great gift idea because they're unique. They're thoughtful. They play to the interests of a loved one in an unexpected way. Start by just getting a candle corresponding to a city or state that your loved one used to live in. Right now, our listeners who go to homesick.com and use promo code MILL will receive 10% off any order over $50 and get free shipping. That is a great deal. 10% off and free shipping. This amazing offer and the most popular state and city candles won't last long, so don't wait. Just visit homesick.com now using promo code M-I-L-L. Find a personal gift for your whole list today. Again, promo code M-I-L-L, as in your home will smell like a million bucks (laughs) with these candles. (laughs) Homesick candle should let us do a millennial candle. It'll smell like Laura. Oh, I was going to (laughs) say, is that going to smell like crippling debt and anxiety? (laughs) <laughs> and, and a microphone with spit all over it <laughs> all right rachel um thanks again for joining us tell us a bit about your website the confused millennial you said you had a light bulb moment and this is your full-time job 
Yeah, it is. Before I go into it, though, I have to go back and just call it my pregnancy frame because I feel so bad um, about the governor election. Andrew Gillum's running for governor in Florida, and you're right, Rick Scott is for Senate. That's my seven-month pregnancy brain, so please <laughs> forgive me, people, because like, that's all I can think about because as a millennial, totally beating myself up right now. We, um, we didn't even catch that, but thank well, you for bringing it up. Fact-checked for all your listeners. We right appreciate there. it. Um, yeah, so the Confused Millennial is my full-time job. Uh, like I said earlier, I got fired twice from what I thought was like my dream career at 25. I was a therapist um, working towards licensure. And um, I spent, after that, I knew I couldn't go back into the workforce. So I started my own company in 2014, which looks very differently than it does today with the Confused Millennial brand because it took about two more years until I fell into that Um, But it has a lot of the same foundational and elemental educational pieces to it. Interesting. Were you, that's, that's fascinating. So you, so you were fired from two jobs and then you decided to create this site. It must've been terrifying to jump into this because there was no guarantee that it would take off. No, there was no guarantee, but I knew I couldn't keep going how I was going. So like I said, I had started my company about two years before the Confused Millennial came to be, which was essentially a life skills uh, curriculum that I had spent two months writing out. My previous job was as a mental health and substance abuse counselor working primarily with millennials. And I saw so many of them struggling with debt, with their jobs, finding happiness, just being okay in their own skin. So I wrote out this 200 plus page curriculum, you know, and just kind of tapped my network and said, Hey, this is what I did. Do you want me to come in and teach a group? Do you have anybody that you think would benefit from this one-on-one? And so I did that for about a year matching my old salary as a counselor. And I knew the business model was not scalable because I mean, I was driving all over town and you know, I can only do so many things and reach so many people. I was really still exchanging time for money. So I hired a business coach online, which was an interesting experience. And I was like, I'm going to brand myself as like a career and business coach for millennials online. And it's 2015. And I'm like, this is going to be great. And about two months into that process, I was just sick to my stomach again, like And I was crying to my husband. And that's when I said, I'm just another confused millennial that has no idea what I'm doing with my life because I was building somebody else's dream once again. And so for me, I didn't start the confused millennial thinking that it was going to be my full-time job. I was very much focusing on my other revenue streams that I had already had in place for a couple of years. Um, And I set one goal for the first six months. Do not even think about monetizing it. Just focus on finding your voice and growing an engaged audience. And then, you know, after that, it was off to the races. And the Confused Millennial quickly took over as my primary income stream and is on target to make six figures this year. And in March, it'll be three years. Wow. That's fantastic. (laughs) So it's been fun. (laughs) Yeah. So... So like I can kind of relate in terms of publishing, uh, being a web publisher, how do you generate revenue? Is it advertise like sponsorships, display advertising? Yeah. So primarily I work with brands on sponsored content, a lot of native advertising, influencer marketing type of stuff. Interesting. That Mm -hmm. stuff has really taken off, hasn't it? 
It has. When I first launched the blog, I thought I was going to be a media site, not an influencer. I um, I thought I was going to be a multi-contributor platform. I thought I was going to make most of my money from ads. And I very quickly realized that I hated keeping track of all of the tiny affiliate links um, that display ads were bigger eyesores than I felt like dealing with or getting paid to deal with. And I was just like, you know what? I am going to become the face of this and see what happens. And things just kind of kept taking off. Yeah. So so you do these uh, sponsored posts. Like I'm on your Instagram and I see this one with Dunkin' Donuts slash mm-hmm. Walmart, which is yeah. super awesome. Do you, do you find that it's challenging to make like an authentic post that can generate interest, engagement? Like how do you find that balance between you know, getting engagement and still being genuine? Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, for me, I wouldn't say I find it hard to make an authentic post because I probably got, you know, 500 emails a day, maybe 80 of those need my response. And then from those, maybe 60 are viable options. And I only end up working with one. So Mm. I'm turning down so many that when I am agreeing to work with a brand, it's because I see an authentic alignment there. Um, As far as like there, it does become challenging, though, at times when you end up saying yes to a brand and you think it's going to go great. And then all of a sudden they send you a list of like things they want you to put into the languaging. And I'm like, I would never say this though. <laughs> Although I support your brand and like, I totally believe in what you're doing. This does not sound like me at all. So I actually push back a great deal a lot of the time. Um, so that can be interesting. But as far as like actually feeling authentic about the brands I'm working with, that's, a, that's not so hard. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of struggle with that here on the podcast as well, because we only want to pick things that we can talk about passionately. And we have the challenge and you have a podcast. So you know this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to sound genuine on air. We don't want to sound like we're, you know, just just following a script or something. Exactly. I mean, because otherwise, then I would just stick with, you know, pushing affiliate links and putting up display ads and things like that. For me, I truly love the storytelling aspect. Like, Instagram ads are probably like one of my least favorite things to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I love doing blog ads because you actually like full native advertising posts because you actually get to build a story. You actually get to focus on providing valuable content to an audience. Whereas like, I don't know, Instagram's so burn or turn and whether it's an ad or just a regular post I'm doing, I'm like, I don't know if anyone actually is getting value out of this. This feels so inauthentic to me in a way because before falling into this career I never posted on my Instagram I never updated social media I never even really went on social media and so for me to spend like three hours a day on Instagram now I'm like who am I yeah yeah but that's where the people are so I guess that's why you know that's where I went looking when I was looking for your sponsored posts (laughs) yeah and so like it totally makes sense to me but for me I'm Mm. like this is just not what I would be doing if this wasn't my career yeah yeah so if um if somebody wanted to like you know somebody's listening to this and is like wow I'm really inspired by this what do you tell people in terms of uh getting started in like a similar career launching a website social media channels how do people get those started 
I always tell people, number one, do not start if you are looking to make money. There are much easier ways to make money than trying to become like an Instagram influencer or launching a blog. Um, For me, it really just comes back to feeling like this innate, overwhelming passion and drive to help others um, or to get a specific message out there in whatever way that is. Like if you're Mm -hmm. super... Uh, passionate about politics and like this is what you eat sleep and breathe then go for it for me I was insanely passionate about just uh, just shaking our generation to wake up from being sheep in our careers um, and to take control of our finances and to really get in touch with who we are embrace more um, and embrace more of that while navigating this whole adulting thing, which ended up becoming like the tagline for the Confused Millennial blog and podcast and everything. And so when you have that drive, that thing that just like makes you so upset that you could talk about it for hours and hours and hours you can actually create enough content to build a blog, to build an Instagram around it. Um, Otherwise it gets exhausting and you're going to burn out and like you're constantly going through your life. Like, Oh, this could be a piece of content. Oh, this could be a piece of content. And I don't care what your business is as an entrepreneur. It's hard to clock out, but it's especially hard to clock out when you're like both going through your life as just somebody that's being present in your life, but also going through your life, trying to find content and different ways to bring that message to other people yeah that makes so much sense because like i i work freelance uh for pop culture news and i think that i totally feed into that when i go to the movies i think to myself am i going to relax or do i want to turn this into something that i can pitch Mm -hmm. to somebody else so i think with so many millennials kind of taking um, new paths and finding new creative ways to, you know, uh, make their own jobs. It, it, it is hard to do that when a lot of it exists online. Yes, definitely. I mean, I spent the year I wrote for Forbes, I, my, uh, vertical swim lane, whatever you want to call it was work-life balance. And so I wrote five articles a month on work-life balance and, you know, it's crazy to figure out like, when do we clock out, especially today with technology, whether you're in a nine to five or you have your own business and what experiences are you putting on social media, creating content out of, or just like actually rejuvenating from it all kind of becomes just like, that's, I'm kind of going through a pivoting season of my life where like, because I'm pregnant, I'm like, what, what am I supposed to be doing? So you guys get to hear, this is why I'm called the confused millennial. Cause these are my thoughts <laughs> where I like constantly and just doubting myself and talking to myself in circles. Yeah. It's a genuine <laughs> website. You actually are confused. Right. <laughs> so you mentioned clocking out. That's actually something I think that Pam and I both struggle with as well. So let me ask you, how, how do you create that work-life balance? How do you clock out when you're working at home? Yeah, so I've been working at home for over four years now, and for me, it goes through different spurts. Both my husband and I are entrepreneurs, so we kind of end up reinforcing the fact that the other one's working at 8 o'clock at night. It's like, oh, you're working? I guess I'll work now, too. Um, So for me, it ends up not so much becoming about, quote-unquote, clocking out. It ends up becoming about um, focusing on on filling my tank for each of my passions. So 
I don't look at like work-life balance as a division of time. I look at it as a division of passions. And if I'm really excited to be working until 10 o'clock at night one night, that's actually totally okay with me. If I want to really like not work and it's 10 a.m. and I want to go to the beach, then that's what I try to listen to. Um, so it's not so much about me having like set hours because that really did not work for me when I tried to put myself in that box. And instead, if I get the urge that's like, you need to go get a green juice and go swing on the park and look at the water, then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to question this. I'm going to go do this right now. And that way I don't end up hitting that burnout level. Interesting. Yeah. But then you still have to make sure that you are dedicating enough hours to work. Yeah, I'm lucky because despite what it might sound like today, um, I really do love what I do. So <laughs> I end up working more than enough hours just yeah. kind of naturally. Like I'll end up, I ended up kind of taking off unexpectedly the last two weeks. Um, and I kind of just was really like paring back down everything to only working one or two hours a day. But that's because, you know, for the three weeks before that, I accidentally ended up working 16-hour days nonstop. And Mm -hmm. I got so far ahead on content and pre-planning stuff that I was able to do that. Yeah. For us, I think it's hard to turn off because we're writing news, covering news. So, Mm -hmm. and news obviously never stops. So, like, it's hard to shut down. I had to start setting hours hours for myself a couple months or a couple years ago because I was legit starting to have real bad panic attacks because I was working so much. I developed so much anxiety and stress that like my life was just out of control. I was working and felt responsible for the site 24 hours a day. And it was just a really bad place to be in. Um, but Pam, it sounds like we got to get out of news. <laughs> yeah, it's like so hard. Like you, Rachel, you were saying it's so hard to, to quit something that you love. Like I yeah. genuinely love it. Oh my God. If I, if there's breaking news and I have like 10 minutes to get it up, that's better than any drug to me. Oh but yeah. See, and that makes it totally okay. And that's why I'm like, it's not about clocking out. Like if that's how you feel about it, then like by all means go full tilt on it. You know, it's when I think like what Andrew was saying, it negatively impacts your life. Like you're developing anxiety. You're having like all those burnout symptoms mm-hmm. and that's when you need to kind of like readjust. But yeah, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And I, I am with, I'm with both of you. Like if you're doing something you genuinely love, then it doesn't feel like work and thus it's not stressful. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, For me, it's just honestly been about learning that it's okay to say no you don't have to do everything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel for, like you need to do everything and it's okay to take a step back. And that's really helped me a lot. Yeah. For me, the thing that's really helped too is I actually don't have email on my phone anymore. You guys are in news, so hmm. it's probably a little bit different, but I'm like, nothing I'm doing. I used to work you know, in mental health and substance abuse counseling where I was literally getting calls at two o'clock in the morning that I had to go to the residences because I had a suicidal patient. I was like, this work is not life or death. If like, I don't get this piece of content out at this specific time, you know, the world's not going to stop. Nobody's going to die from that. And so I was like, okay, I need to like give myself the breathing room to not put this pressure, this assumed pressure on myself. Um, cause I don't have a boss and nobody's telling me I have to get this stuff done. It's just this innate thing inside of me telling me I have to get this up at this specific time. Right. 
and you got to keep the money coming in. I mean, it just comes down to that as well. Like, yeah, I could not work, but also I need to make sure my site remains successful. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Fortunately, I've gotten really into like batching um, all of my tasks. So, like, there was a two week period where I sent out over 500 pitches for brand collaborations. So, for those two weeks, the only thing I did, I didn't create content or anything, I was just focusing on creating money generating opportunities and wow. then got all those kind of taken care of. Then I could go back into just content creation mode for a while. So it's unfortunate uh, that I can batch my tasks. Can you like write a book on all this? Like <laughs> I'm hearing all these interesting <laughs> ideas and I should be taking notes, but I'm not. So if you could just make a book, that would be great. <laughs> uh, I'm on it. <laughs> I'll add it to my list. I've, I, that's the part of being the confused millennial. I have like 15 different projects I start yeah. and never finish them. <laughs> So we talked about work-life balance, but what, uh, what other challenges that you as a millennial from, who works from home faces? Oh, I mean, I guess, you know, I was seeing a shaman at the start of this year. Um, wow. And so he was like telling me, he's like, there's somebody at your job that's really stressing you out. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I work for myself. And he's like, no, it's telling me like right here, he was reading my energy alchemy. And he's like, it's that he's like, it's showing me right here that there's somebody in your work environment that is really stressing you out and they're draining you. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I work from home. He goes, oh, that's it. There's no separation between work and home for you. I, I was like, the only person around is my husband who would happen to be he was just starting his second company, but he was also working a nine to five and he was waffling about whether or not he wanted to quit yet or hold off another few months. Um, Cause anyone that knows startup life, it always takes longer to raise money for your new venture than you want it to. So mm. I was literally having the same conversation with him every single day about what he needed to do. I was like, Oh, okay. I get it now. So I guess for me, it comes down to the fact that like, there is no separation between the two. And if I get an email that really pisses me off, I go upstairs and I'm like venting about it in my kitchen, in my living room where that no longer becomes a sanctuary for me. Mm, yeah. So like you have an office that you try to stay out of unless you're explicitly working. Yeah. I mean, I have an office in my house. This is like the first time that I actually have a dedicated office. The first two or three years, I was literally had like a desk in our living room or it was the couch. Um, and my husband got our bed because we were 900 square feet, both running our own companies. Um, so that was definitely interesting. But what I found since getting pregnant is I actually like to work from bed more again. So I, I just, mm. I've, I'm kind of, I just always switch things up. But yeah, having the office has definitely helped overall this yeah. past year and a half. I don't have my desk. My desk is in my living room, but it's in like kind of a, it's it's in a nook, so it's kind of separate. Mm -hmm. But I I really do subscribe to the idea that if you are working from home, you need a place that is exclusively for work, like a separate bedroom that you turn into an office, so that when you're only in there, it's the work, and then you can quote unquote leave work for the day. You don't have to be in the same place that you work. I know that's hard because you need extra space and <laughs> I don't even do it right now, but I do highly recommend it. Yeah. It, and it really, like when I first set up my office and I was super excited about it, like before I got pregnant and all that stuff, I was obsessed with being in my office. It was the only place I worked for the first year and a half. And then these last few months, I'm like, 
oh, I'm going to just stay here today and do this. Um, and I've also noticed that I end up working a lot less. Like I'm taking half days and stuff now. Nice. So do you worry about the future? I know Pam and I do. We're like, what the hell? I mean, is this website stuff going to last forever? Is the podcast stuff going to last forever? You must worry about that too, right? Were you like tapped into my thoughts last night? Because I was literally thinking like, what is going to happen when all these Instagram people are 80? Like, are we still with our like granny walkers and stuff taking selfies right Um, (laughs) yeah no I definitely worry about all of that to a certain extent I kind of for me I've always looked at this period of my life as what's just happening right now um I launched the blog although I kind of launched it like on this like blind rage whim where I was just kind of needed to get out a certain message at that time. I had had the idea for a blog for like a year or so prior because I knew that I always wanted to get into writing books and uh, doing speaking engagements on a larger scale. So for me, it was kind of like, okay, well, you need an audience to sell a book to. You need an audience that would come and see you speak. So I don't know that the blog or Instagram or the podcast that these are like my 50 year plan by any means, but hopefully by 50, I'm retired and we'll just see what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're 50 year plans either, but I'm wondering, (laughs) okay, so what am I doing in 10 years or 20 years? (laughs) Like, (laughs) uh oh. I think I'll still be doing this in 10 years. I really do, actually. Like, because I, I mean, I think you guys would be too, though, because you guys really enjoy it. I don't think it's going anywhere for the next 10 years, at least. Yeah. 10 years is dramatic. Maybe I shouldn't have said 10, but like, I don't know. When I'm 50 or 60, is the internet even going to be around in like 30 years? It's going to be like implanted in our brains when we're born. Like instead of getting a vitamin K injection, they're going to give babies internet injections. Right. So how do I make a website for that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) So since you do help millennials a lot, I, I wanted to hear what you think are the three biggest challenges millennials are facing right now. Finances are definitely the biggest one. Um, that I see from my audience commenting on the blog and everything. Um, Personally, this is kind of going to sound like a weird one maybe, and I hope I say it right. Actually figuring out who they are and how to be that person in the world. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, Because there's all this people pleasing and like I hear so many people always commenting. They're like, I can't do that because so-and-so would be disappointed. I'm like, but you could do that. You're just choosing not to. And it's easier to shift the blame. Um, So those would be like the two big ones. And then I guess the third one, I'd probably just go with careers because I think it ends up tying into the other two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what finances stem from like student loans and balancing it all? What I see happen a lot, student loans is obviously a really big one. What I see happen a lot for my audience is they had gotten credit cards when they were in college and they just screwed that up really bad. And so a lot of them are really afraid to even open up credit cards um, today. And so they're all, you know, they're, you know, 25 to 33 years old living off of debit cards. And they, even when they've paid off, you know, their revolving credit debt, they're still afraid to open up that door again. I'm like, but 
<laughs> there's nothing to be afraid if you educate yourself and treat your credit card like a debit card. Um, and so I think there's just kind of this really big fear instilled in them about acknowledging the fact that they have resources, that they can empower themselves, that they're not still like 20. I think that what's happening in the media today where like, I don't know if you guys are getting this too. I get so many emails where they're like, we wanted to reach college students. I'm like, you realize millennials aren't in college anymore, right? <laughs> and I think millennials have started to buy into that to a certain extent from the media. They're like, but I did this in college, so I can't be trusted with it. I'm like, but you're not in college anymore. You're almost 30 or you're just over 30. Like, what? Like, right. yes, you can handle this. Yeah. The credit card thing's interesting. We never talk about that here on the show, actually. We're always talking about the student loans. But yeah, people just kind of build up a lot of debt in the credit card, then it takes forever to get out of it. But I'm so with you on treating a credit card like a debit card. That's exactly how I do it. How I do it. I, I set up auto pay to pay off the full thing at the during, you know, whenever it's due. That way, I don't run up my credit card because I know I have to pay for it next month. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, if you're trying to repair your credit, I would always tell people to pay off your credit card bill every single week. That way you're keeping your utilization ratio down too. And oh. you're not forgetting to pay it. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. 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 Like it's really simple little like changes you can make. So if you paid off the debt, there's nothing to be afraid of with opening up a credit card again. And then you don't have to worry so much about like getting your home and your mortgage rate and stuff like that because you don't have a lending history. And so it just becomes this visual cycle because, you know, we're telling ourselves or people are telling themselves I can't be trusted with this because I fucked it up. Oh, sorry. Can I curse on here? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> I kept like stopping myself earlier, but sometimes it just <laughs> slips out. Um, but yes, yeah, so that they, you know, messed it all up at one point in their life. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Um, do you, and final question, do you see more people around our age getting work from home jobs? Because there seems to be less of an emphasis on getting college degrees these days. Yeah, I, I saw this statistic the other day. Do not quote me on this. Fact check this. Do not trust what the words that are about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> but I saw something like what 50% of the workforce is supposed to, is projected to be freelancers by 2030. Um, yeah, and I'm starting to see that a lot more too, where more and more people I know are getting into freelancing um, side hustles that they're planning on turning into their full time thing in the next five years whatever that is. Um, and then with that too, I'm seeing a lot more people, my sister-in-law included that are working remote for companies out of New York city, out of LA, out of all these different places. Yeah. It's so interesting. And it's nice to see that I'm not alone. Cause I feel alone sitting here at my desk every day. You know, it's just me and my dog who doesn't talk to me, even though I try to talk to him. And it's just like, you know, you feel like you're alone and then you, you like go to Starbucks or talk to somebody like you. And it's nice to know that there are other people out there who are doing the same exact thing. Yeah, I would say for me, like the biggest challenge over the last four years has been the loneliness aspect. Um, mm. I thought about like when I thought I was going to be this multi-contributor platform I thought I was going to like have employees and stuff. And I realized that I actually really like working by myself. It's just like, at least for right now, these last few years, I've really enjoyed it. 
but I get lonely. And so like I always just invite people to like digital coffee dates. I'm like, hey, you want to get coffee even though you're in like California and we can just like hang out on Skype. Yeah. So that's kind of how I go about like combating that. Wow. Interesting. I just stew in my loneliness and I don't do anything (laughs) about it. (laughs) I do the same, but in California. Uh, all right. Well, Rachel, it's been so nice talking to you. It, it's really nice to hear everything you uh, have to have to share. And again, uh, Rachel's website is theconfusedmillennial.com. And the podcast is called The Same. Right? Yep. Yeah. Excellent. We'll put links in our show notes. Um, Rachel is going to hang around as we talk a little entertainment news. But first, we're going to throw it over to Laura, who has a word from this week's sponsor. Hey guys, Laura here, calling in quickly so I can share some information about our newest sponsor, Lola. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners. And they also offer sex products now too. Lola makes your month a little bit easier by offering a fully customizable subscription so you can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible and you can change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. What feels really good about this is because the feminine products are 100% organic, you don't have to question what's going into your body. Just pick your products, choose from organic cotton tampons, available with a BPA-free plastic applicator or in an environmentally non-applicator format, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. Seeing as I'm currently traveling for work and my body has decided that now would be the perfect time to reenact the blood flood scene from The Shining, these have come in super handy for me. The Sex by Lola line is also available for subscription and you can add it to your period subscription. This line includes condoms and personal lubricant, which is seriously the best lube I've tried in a long time. This stuff is water-based and made with aloe vera, so it comes out more like a gel and doesn't make a huge mess and run everywhere because, let's face it, sex is messy on its own and we don't need our fun adult products adding to that. It also comes in this nifty mess-free dispenser and is formulated to help maintain a healthy pH down there. It's made without parabens, petrochemicals, glycerin, synthetic flavor, or fragrance, so you can feel confident that what you're playing with is vagina-friendly. It really made me feel like this stuff was designed for owners of vaginas in mind, and in a market where sex products are almost always geared towards penises, that was really refreshing. Lola has a special offer for our listeners. To get 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter code M-I-L-L when you subscribe. That's mylola.com and enter code M-I-L-L when you subscribe. And don't forget to have fun. All right. Thank you, Laura. So let's talk a little entertainment news. Going to keep things light and relaxed this episode. The three of us, we're all big Disney fans, right? Mm -hmm. I just got back from there two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Since you're in Florida, do you have like a annual pass or something? When I was a kid, I did. Now I just take full advantage of their annual media day pass. Oh, damn. I need to do that. Yeah. Rachel's <laughs> got this all figured out. I know. I always forget that I can ask for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I went and I got to see Hanson play Eat to the Beat at Epcot. And it was like the best day ever. Oh, I saw them at the want? pool. I, it was like literally the best day ever of my life. I think I pinned it all in my Instagram story highlights under pregnancy because it was my baby moon. <laughs> if anyone wants to go watch me cry over Hanson. Uh, BRB you- following you right now. 
<laughs> Did you look at down at your child and were you like, look, this is Hanson. This is who I love most. I literally first I just started crying hysterically. We were walking through the pool at the hotel we were staying at. And I'm like, oh, my God, I started hitting my husband. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Isaac Hansen. And he's in the hot tub with all of like 12,000 of their children. And I look over and I see Taylor Hansen's wife who's pregnant. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I go and sit down at a table to eat lunch. And there's Zach Hansen in the pool with his son. I'm like, oh, my God. So I was like my, my husband. He's like, Reagan is. Or, oh, wow. I accidentally just said my baby's name. Don't tell anybody because we we're supposed to keep that a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Millennial podcast exclusive. <laughs> there you guys go. Um, he's like, the baby is magic. And she literally is making this all happen for you right now because i had injured my foot and i was thinking about going home and not staying to see them uh-huh. and there they were i'm like okay i'm definitely staying now wow so, that is so hilarious she, so she went to her first hansen concert i can't imagine just like walking around a hotel and running into somebody i idolize chilling in a hot tub like my mind would explode I mean, <laughs> yeah to, sh- to just so people know how much i idolize them in third grade i went as zach hansen for halloween <laughs> like amazing. this is not a joke <laughs> So anyway, Disney is announcing, uh, they announced Disney Plus. So this is going to be their streaming service. It's going to be like Netflix, but all Disney. This includes Walt Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, National Geographic for some reason. There's some partnership happening there. But they're calling it Disney Plus. First of all, I feel like this is already off to a bad start because i don't like that name it implies that disney has not been a premium product until now like what what why the basic name disney plus i feel like it's like in line with their new fast pass plus like that's oh. what they changed their fast passes mm. to oh that's true they've been on this plus grind for a while haven't they and I also think so espn plus i think is the name of their streaming espn streamer but mm. I don't know. Does this sound like something we'll subscribe to? We don't have the price yet, but they have said it's going to be cheaper than Netflix. So I think it's going to be under $10 a month. It's getting harder harder to say no, though, with all of the shows that they have coming down the pipeline. Right. What are some of them? Big stuff. Uh, John Favreau is producing and writing The Mandalorian, which is the first live action Star Wars series. They announced a new Star Wars series that's also in production that's going to feature Diego Luna returning to reprise his role as Cassian from Rogue One. And then there's the slew of Marvel limited series, including the one featuring Tom Hiddleston returning to reprise his role as Loki. So mm-hmm. those are all like really big things, especially if they're getting big screen actors to come back. Obviously, Netflix has been doing marvel tv for years but it's a game changer to bring the marvel cinematic universe to the small screen yeah and like we've seen some netflix knockoffs so to speak like cbs all access they have star trek and netflix has been trying to stay competitive with big brands like a series of unfortunate events and there's rumors of a legend of zelda series and um god i mean there's countless ones that i'm i'm forgetting right now but Disney has all the biggest brands. It's just undeniable. But what I'm most excited about is this idea that I'm going to be able to watch any Disney movie ever. I'm thinking about like the (laughs) 90s animated classics, like just being able to stream those whenever I want. That sounds amazing. I mean, I just bought the Halloween Town 
off of Amazon because there was no other way to watch it <laughs> like two weeks ago. So I'm down for that. There you go. Disney Plus is going to have your back. And I think all the Disney Channel stuff's going to be on there as well. Which if nobody's watched Girl Meets the World, I, I mean, I think it got canceled way too soon. I cried. Aww. Actually, same though. It was so good. Right? Yes. It was so good. <laughs> That was like one of the few ones like I'm like, how is Fuller House still going on Netflix? But Girl Meets World is not getting the love it deserves. And it was so much better of like the 90s remakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll make a comeback on Disney Plus, the new season. Mm -hmm. I would love that. I feel like a big question is going to be how many simultaneous streams you can run under one Disney Plus account because there's been a running joke about how many people can use HBO Go at once. It seems to, like they don't seem to care. And I think the CEO of uh, of HBO said one time, like, yeah, we don't really care. It's just good publicity for us, knowing that a lot of people use HBO passwords. Like, it's just kind of a funny joke that we embrace. But I feel like Disney's not going to do the same thing. So I'm curious how many times we can share our own Disney Plus passwords before uh, they say, hey, too many people are logged in right now. Sorry. But I feel like with it being primarily a quote unquote like kids thing, most families have what at least two kids today. So Mm -hmm. I would think logically they would give you at least three users. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, even if somebody's downstairs, somebody's upstairs, that counts as to like two people in the same house. I don't think can be on the same Hulu account at the same time. Yeah, I you could probably you'll be able probably be able to pay to add more simultaneous Don't streams. Don't give them that idea, though. <laughs> Keep that to yourself, Andrew. Disney has no problem thinking of ways to squeeze more money out of people. No, they don't. <laughs> so anyway, that's going to be released sometime in 2019. I know some other um, original shows are... They got a High School Musical one in the pipeline. When they originally announced all this, they said that there was going to be a Monsters University one. And I'm sure just more and more are going to be coming along. It's fascinating to see Disney put a bunch of big exclusives behind a streamer instead of, you know, like a movie theater or a big television network. It's just a sign of the times. Hmm. But I do also worry, like, how many streaming apps can we be paying for at once? Like, for me, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. That's it. I also pay for Prime, but it's for the shipping, too. So that doesn't really count, but it does because Prime's stepping up their game. Like Amazon Video is definitely getting a lot of recognition right now. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely check Amazon Prime for videos in HBO Go before I check Netflix or Hulu. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I actually subscribe to Stars through Amazon, too. Oh, okay. While Outlander's on, and then I cancel my subscription. <laughs> Are you a cable cutter, Pam? Am I a cable cutter? I just like, did you cut the ca- call Xfinity and be like, um, excuse me, can I talk to you for 20 minutes just so you can add stars to my account? I'd rather just do it without human contact on Amazon. No, but I mean, like, do you pay for traditional cable oh, yeah, television? But it comes with a, like, it comes with a package. So we do internet yeah. and cable. Because I just worry, like, if you pay for Netflix, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, let's say you pay for Stars and HBO as well, suddenly you're getting really close to the normal cable bill that you are trying to avoid. That's true. 
I don't know. I, you know, that's a really good point. I guess I hardly watch stuff on, on TV when it airs anymore. Yeah. I used to do Hmm. that for, you know, for for the sake of the brand on Twitter, if I was going to live tweet, (laughs) but I don't really do very much of that these days. So maybe it is time to get rid of the cable bill and just, you know, watch things the day after they air on Hulu. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's a rite of passage for millennials. You got to cut the cable. Yeah. yeah. It's been four years without for me. Wow. Yeah, I think about the same. But year. I do enjoy checking in on the news every once in a while. And you can't really do that. What mm-hmm. I do is I have like the antenna. You can get it on Amazon oh, for like 20 God. or 30 Old bucks. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I watch Ellen every single day. And the only way to watch Ellen is if you have like cable. And so I just have an <laughs> antenna on my window in my bedroom. And every day at four, I go and watch Alan. Um, <laughs> and I make that work for me. <laughs> you, I mean, Pam, you say antenna is old school, but you can get HD channels through an antenna. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about like my grandparents <laughs> used to have this right. tiny little portable television <laughs> that we would have to. <laughs> yeah, I got you. So some other news, um, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald is approaching. It comes out this Friday. Rachel, are you a Harry Potter fan? I am. I'm super excited for this, but I don't watch movies in theaters. So like I'm going to listen to all the hype and then watch it a year later. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know how much I'll be able to contribute. Uh, no worries. So Pam, <laughs> uh, you actually wanted to bring some, something up. There was a debate in our Facebook group about boycotting or not or not because oh, of the Johnny Depp this. drama yeah, yeah kind of it, it kind of seemed to uh, spark a lot of discord by means of quite a few different I feel like everybody kind of has their own reason for boycotting or choosing not to see it so soon uh, so one of our Facebook uh, members posted a poll that said do you plan on seeing Fantastic Beasts the Crimes of Grindelwald and there were a few options here um, the most popular one voted on by uh, millennial group members was, yes, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan and I love all things Wizarding World. Um, and then after that, there was the option of, yes, I love the first one and want to see more Newt. And then there was the Johnny Depp one, which did not get as many votes as I thought it was going to. So that option was, no, Johnny Depp is an abusive man and I will support none of his movies. Uh, then there was the option for, I'll probably see it because I have a movie subscription pass. And then... The last option was no J.K. Rowling and David Yates destroyed the story of Dumbledore for me. So I feel like people that don't <laughs> that want to so see this extreme. movie are really conflicted between being upset over the fact that Johnny Depp is still cast as Grindelwald and also being upset over how Warner Brothers, David Yates, and J.K. Rowling have responded to issues concerning Johnny Depp and also other issues that have sparked and risen up over the course of the last few years. So Yeah. Well, I continue to think that Johnny Depp was probably a mistake in terms of casting. Um, they didn't have to cast him. People loved Colin Farrell when he was uh, playing Graves in the first movie, and then he turned out to be Grindelwald. Like, it would have been so much better, I think everybody agrees, if Johnny Depp was um, Graves in the first movie, and then he transforms into Colin Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that would have been made for the internet. Look, we lost Johnny Depp and gra- gained a jo- uh, uh, Colin Farrell. <laughs> also, jo- like the accusations against Johnny Depp aside, I feel like Colin Farrell did such a good job in the first movie that even if yeah. Johnny Depp's name was completely 
squeaky clean, I would still have been disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> we got Johnny Depp for four more movies because Colin Farrell did such a great job. Yeah. So a lot of people also really love Johnny Depp. Obviously, he's very uh, a very big actor, but there are there have been these accusations made against him, not just by Amber Heard, but by others, and it really makes you wonder. Pam, when are you seeing it? Oh, I'm seeing it on Thursday. Okay, yeah, and Pat and I are going Tuesday, and we're probably going to go again Thursday or Friday. Um, I'm excited for it still. Like Johnny Depp is he he did temper my excitement for a little bit, but. I don't know. People have seen this movie already. There have been these really early fan screenings that happened like a week and a half ago. And apparently there's some big stuff that happens in this movie. That said, critics have been chiming in and it's not doing good on Rotten Tomatoes. It currently has a 57%, meaning the film is rotten by Rotten Tomatoes. uh, According to Rotten Tomatoes' tomato meter. This is the first Wizarding World movie to be rotten. <laughs> That's really sad. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the reviews seem to say the same thing, that there's just too much happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that does not surprise me at all, because if you look at these trailers, there's so many damn characters, and it looks like there's so much going on that I feel like what happened, and I, I, I'm not going to judge this until I see it, of course, but I, my guess is what happened is Warner Brothers has this agreement with J.K. Rowling where they let her do what the hell she wants. Because she probably said at the beginning of this, you want me to do this? I'm going to do it my way. And WB was like, fine, we're going to make tons of money. So fine, do whatever the hell you want. So J.K. Rowling goes and writes this script and she's just incapable of writing a coherent movie because she needs to write so many details and those details belong in a book, not in a movie. So I think her just desire to include so much is affecting how this movie is overall. And hopefully by movie three, four and five, she'll have learned from her mistakes, assuming what the critics say is true and Mm. the movies become a lot more coherent. But see, this is the thing that kind of bothers me about it is that if you pay attention to what J.K. Rowling's been saying all along, and she said this too with Cursed Child, which is a whole nother kind of magical beast. So we're not even going to go there. Um, you know, she basically made us all believe that this was a tale that was best going to come across in movie form. And that's the only way she would have ever thought to tell it. But if it's this convoluted, then clearly that's not the case. It's kind of just, this was the easier option. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's kind of a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I, I forgot about that, that she she had said something like that, that, that she only saw this as being a movie and not a book. And I appreciate the visual aspect and and everything, but based on what the story is turning into, there's so much backstory that we've known about for so long in passing as lifelong Harry Potter fans. It, it does kind of bother me a little bit that we're not going to ever get that in Mm -hmm. book form most likely and if we do Mm -hmm. the chances of joe actually being the one to write it i feel like are very slim i could see somebody else doing. you know sometimes like people adapt the spider-man movies for example in novel form as a companion Mm -hmm. novel but i i can't see her doing that it just won't be the same yeah so like i said despite what the reviews are saying i'm still excited to see it and uh 
Check out my Twitter Tuesday night. <laughs> I'll probably <laughs> be tweeting up a storm. Are you going to an early screening? <laughs> yeah. It's, so AMC teamed up with WB to do one of these fantastic fandom these fantastic fandom events. Yeah. And we we bought tickets because we are seeing it a few days early, and that'll help for recording MuggleCast. But here's my favorite part about this these screenings: there's no trailers in front of the movie. Yes. <laughs> so the movie is starting at seven thirty. I don't have to sit through thirty minutes of uh, movies coming up. And plus, we get a poster and we get a pin. I think Cute. so. It, it'll be fun. Yeah, we're going with friends. We're gonna get dinner beforehand. It'll be a whole night with Johnny Depp. <laughs> what i've always wanted (laughs) um so other news speaking of disney and movies we're recording on uh veterans day and it's been a big news for uh in the entertainment world the first toy story 4 trailer is out it's cute right Mm -hmm. i didn't watch it yet (gasps) were you upset that they were making a fourth toy toy story after the third ended so perfectly I didn't even think I've seen the third. Am I like what? a terrible millennial? <laughs> what? I, mean, I went to Toy Story Land th- a couple of weeks ago. That was... Yeah. <laughs> Toy Story 3 is so good. And that's the problem with Toy Story 4. Toy Story 3 ends so perfectly. It's like, wow, I, I think we're good, guys. Thanks, Pixar, but no thanks. Pam, are you one of those people who have been feeling that way? I Yeah. I You know, when they announced Toy Story 4, I kind of just felt like it wasn't necessary the third movie mm-hmm. was so great and it left things off with a really good message, which Disney and Pixar are very good at doing. But I got to say, like seeing this movie really kind of made, or it's not seeing the movie, but seeing the trailer made me feel all warm and fuzzy. I didn't think I was going to feel this way. I was so adamantly against this idea. Yeah. And now I'm thinking I- like maybe I should figure out when I'm going to go see that. <laughs> It made my morning. I woke up. I was watching it with one eye open, this teaser trailer. And I was just smiling because it's so nice to see these beloved characters back. Plus, there's this new one named Forky, (laughs) voiced by Tony Hale from Arrested Development. And the thing about Forky is that he, I think, is a toy made by Bonnie. So he's not like a, a typical toy. And um, so I think one of the storylines in toy story 4 is gonna be about i don't know becoming a toy even though he isn't a real toy or something like that we'll see but now um, i just need to go watch toy story 3 to get ready for this you really do like it's one of my favorite movies of all time get the tissues out though because it's gonna make you sob Yeah, I had no idea that it was this good. Everyone, like, nobody told me. It's yeah. really good. That third we act, just, it's great. <laughs> it kills you. It does. In a good way. On a multitude of levels. Well, now it's, I'm excited. At least now I have something to do this weekend, tonight. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Please tweet about it. I, I want to hear your reactions to it. I will tweet you guys and be like, yes. pretty much, probably it sounds like just hysterical crying because between pregnancy hormones and this, I just cry <laughs> like everything. <laughs> and nostalgia. And then, as if the Toy Story 4 trailer weren't enough, they uh, there was also a trailer for Detective Pikachu. They made this movie because two summers ago, Pokemon Go absolutely blew up. So now Hollywood was trying to get in on the Pokemon excitement. And did either of you play Pokemon Go or were you into Pokemon as a kid? Mm-hmm. Both. I played as a kid and I went to like a Pokemon Go 
meetup okay. when like that whole thing happened and that was interesting <laughs> yeah so like it's weird hearing ryan reynolds be pikachu but it grew on me really quick <laughs> And I actually am really excited for this movie now. Like, there's a, a ton of Pokemon are making cameos in this movie. It's based <laughs> on the video game Detective Pikachu, by the way. Um, it co-stars Justice Smith. He's the human in the movie. Uh, he was in Paper Towns. And like I said, Ryan Reynolds voices Pikachu. But, like, <laughs> I just happened to pause it at one point accidentally. And I see a, a missing poster for Squirtle. And I'm like, what the <laughs> why is squirtle missing what happened to that poor guy so now i'm like totally intrigued by this movie and i'm so excited for it same this this movie sounded really stupid on paper when they announced it and the trailer is actually really good although i will say that mr mime is the stuff of nightmares (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting how they brought the pokemon to life mm-hmm. quote unquote because they're still cgi but they're supposed to look lifelike there's they're all kind of fuzzy like pikachu <laughs> is kind of fuzzy i was gonna say there's great debate online over whether jigglypuff should have fur or not yeah it's great it's been an interesting day to say the least between talking pikachu and this new toy story character forky twitter's been having a field day um, and then finally, one more story, which unfortunately, you know, it's it's a sad one. We lost Stan Lee today. He is the Marvel Comics legend. He's credited with popular popularizing Marvel um, before Stan Lee and uh, some of his associates. The superheroes just were kind of like very stiff and very serious, kind of like Batman is today. Um, and Stan Lee said, let's make these characters, let's make these superheroes fun and very interesting and let's make them appeal to kids. So he, and like I said, his associates came up with Iron Man, Black Panther, Spider-Man, all the heroes we know and love today. They are thanks to Stan Lee. And he died in LA on Monday morning at the age of 95, just an absolutely monumental loss for the comic world and for Hollywood, but he lives on in all those fantastic cameos of which uh, he did so many. Did, um, I haven't had time to read any of the obits yet. I've kind of just been focusing on what people have been saying on Twitter about their experiences working with him or meeting him, which have all been really touching to read, but uh, had he filmed his uh, cameo for Avengers four and anything coming down the pipeline? I don't know that yet. I've been waiting for like, deadline or the hollywood reporter to report on that but so we know chris evans already finished avengers so i would think that there's a good chance stanley filmed his avengers 4 cameo already Mm. so we might see him there and and probably in captain marvel because they wrapped too right right yeah wow yeah so a couple more cameos to come i guess so that'll be fun to look forward to Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, um, Rachel, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. You were fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, have a great night. Yeah, you too. Well, first, let's just plug you know your uh, website oh, yeah. one more time. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> the- <make the> worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Um, can we go back to texting now? Um, so. <laughs> so- yeah. Tell us all the places we can find you. <laughs> yeah, so theconfusedmillennial.com, the Confused Millennial Podcast, the Confused Millennial on Instagram. 
that's pretty much it. And if you smell millennial wrong, which I hope you wouldn't, given that you're listening to this podcast, I have the domain where for people that leave out the second end, because that happens a lot. That is genius. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do that. So don't worry, I got you covered <laughs> either way. That is fantastic. <laughs> we have to uh, talk more. We got to talk shop. I, I want to talk to you in the future over social media and email and whatnot, because uh, it's, it's been great getting to know you and hearing that you're in the same boat as us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, and talk to you all later. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. All right. She was lovely. Yes. I'm thinking she should replace Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you miss her a little bit? I do. Of course I do. <laughs> well, you might be seeing Laura a little later this week, right? I think, yeah, I think I'm going to see her on Wednesday. She's out in San Francisco uh, staying at a very nice hotel. <laughs> ah, hmm, so. Someone's got money. <laughs> and by someone, I mean her job, exactly. not Laura. The job that shall not be named. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk to one of our listeners. But first, a word from our final sponsor this week, Policy Genius. They're the go-to place for anyone searching for any type of insurance. We all need insurance for so many things in our lives, including our lives. Life insurance isn't the most enjoyable thing to think about. Most people don't like thinking about dying. But actually, having life insurance is a really good feeling. It's nice to know that if anything were to happen to you, your family won't have to start a GoFundMe to stay afloat. Your family will be in good hands should they need to use a life insurance policy. Policy Genius is the way to quickly and easily compare quotes from the top insurers to find the best policy for you. It's so simple. I visited Policy Genius recently to look at health insurance policies because it's the time of year where you need to start finding your policy for the next year. It asks you a couple of questions about what you're trying to insure, and just like that, you're given a bunch of policy options from all the insurers that you've heard of. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. If you care about it, they can cover it. Life insurance is the one that Policy Genius has been really pushing recently since most people don't think about it. So if you've been avoiding getting life insurance because it's difficult or confusing, give Policy Genius a try. Just go to policygenius.com, get your quotes, and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. So visit policygenius.com right now. They are the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All right, it's time now for surprise, bitch. Let's try calling Jacqueline or Jackie. Hello? Jackie. Hi. Surprise, bitch. It's Millennial. Hey, what's up? Hey, not much. Oh, my God. (laughs) You got me and Pam on the line. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. (laughs) What's so funny? I saw the call and I was like, who the hell is calling you? <laughs> it's like no caller ID. Honestly, that, that was the... my reaction too. So <laughs> I almost didn't pick up, but I'm so happy I did. That's the new name of the segment. Who the hell is calling? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit I'll about yourself. Up. Where do you live? Um, I live outside of uh, Boston, Mass. Oh, okay. And um, I'm kind of, uh, photographer, video editor. That's cool. Is this like a job at a particular company or is this freelance? Um, mainly freelance. Interesting. We actually yeah. had a guest on earlier who, um, uh, her full-time job 
is running a blog for millennials and she was talking about how freelance has just been growing and growing in recent years. How long have you been in freelance? Um, just a couple of years. Um, I'd say two, two, three years. Is it terrifying? <clears throat> kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still fun either way. So are you like like a wedding photographer? Or? Um, I do different gigs. I've done weddings before, but mainly short films. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have my own you know thing on youtube and stuff oh cool so like how do yeah. you continue with the theme of uh who we were talking to earlier how do you get discovered how do you find your business um it, it's mainly with video editing it's pretty much networking mm-hmm. so uh just keep producing and then people people will find you if your stuff is good enough yeah you know? just stay on top of that hustle Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Are you planning on seeing Fantastic Beasts this weekend? Uh, I am. Yeah, actually, one of my friends he wants to go to like a midnight premiere, but I don't know if they're doing those. Do and- like <laughs> fans care enough to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> I don't because I've, I've I've been to uh, obviously a couple Harry Potter ones, um, but we were like younger then, so now we're kind of older. If they do, I'll probably. I'll probably be there. <laughs> well, my my stance on midnight screenings is that I'm in bed by 10 p.m., so that just doesn't work for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it is. It gets like too late, and then I'm like, I'm gonna be tired the rest of the day or the next day. Right, right. <laughs> it ruins your day. Have you had any hesitation <laughs> about seeing it due to the Johnny Depp drama or anything else that J.K. Rowling's been tweeting? <laughs> Um, a little bit, but it's it's still Harry Potter, and I'm unfortunately I'm I'm just gonna watch it anyways. Right. Um. Can't resist. But yeah, I I can't now. <laughs> yeah, getting back to the the theme of this episode is like how to make it as a millennial. What are your greatest challenges as a millennial today? I think just my biggest challenge is just staying in school, and then kind of weighing out if I want to, you know, have that much student loan <laughs> personally, because <laughs> yeah. it sounds awful. But that's mainly probably the biggest concern for me. It's, so it's a hard decision. So you're in school right now? Uh, no, I actually just got my associates, but I do want to go back. Oh, okay. Weighing out what, what school I want to go to and then kind of figuring it out from there. So that would be for the bachelor's? And that would be another two years? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the student loan stuff. I don't know. I mean, you're not asking me for advice, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Like, you got the the freelance gig going on, and uh, I think you should just stick with that. Maybe hold off on continuing with college. Yeah, that's what it, it, I feel like I, I might do, but mm. I do still want to have that, you know, degree. Yeah. So, the, the tough decision. Yeah. Because people are always going to need your work, which is good to know. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let you go. But thank you for your support. And thanks for yeah, answering. Thank you. thank you for calling me. I've been listening to um, Logcast for a long time and your previous work. Um, you guys are awesome. And I just enjoy listening to you guys every week. 
Hey, well, thanks so much. We really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. And uh, <laughs> have a good night over in Massachusetts. Bye, guys. Bye. Should have asked her about Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, have you ever played Joking Hazard? I have no idea what this is. Well, that's my recommendation this oh, week. Oh, great. Tell me all about it. <laughs> so uh, we, did, we went to a game night on Saturday night. And we played this game called Joking Hazard. It's like Cards Against Humanity, but you're making like a comic strip. So you pull the first card and it's got a little picture of two characters. And then you play one of your own cards for the second frame of the comic strip. And then um, the other people playing put down their own cards, but face down. And then just like Cards Against Humanity, you get to pick what that third, what the best option was for that third frame in the comic and it's just so refreshing playing cards against humanity with pictures that i quickly fell in love with it and the cartoons are absolutely outrageous there's a lot of boners there's a lot of blood perfect yeah yeah (laughs) so if you if you like cards against humanity and you're looking for something new i highly recommend joking hazard it's a lot of fun um in today's after dark we're gonna talk some shit on some people aren't we pam yeah should be a good time (laughs) (laughs) and since you know it's just pam and i this week we're just gonna get personal pam had pam found a therapist we'll talk about that speaking of therapy and mental health i have an announcement about my lexapro so i'm gonna update everyone on that and then we ask people what can we tell you about laura since she's not here let us tell you about laura without her permission (laughs) (laughs) so we're going to do all those things we will be off next week um, because of the Thanksgiving holiday, but then we will be back two weeks after that, or two weeks from today, and uh, Laura will be back from her trip, and we'll have to hear what you and Laura get up to in San Francisco. I know. I feel like I'm going to have to bring my A-game so that I could come back with good stories. <laughs> get her good and drunk. Get her drunk. But I, at some point, have yeah. to drive home, so oh, <laughs> it'll damn take it as fun well, if stay- she's the only drunk one. She's in a nice hotel, right? She'll let you crash. <laughs> That's true. What if she has a roommate, though? <laughs> Awk. Um, mm, you two can pretend you're lovers. Perfect. Mark who? <laughs> <laughs> you can say, I am Mark. <laughs> right. Exactly. In San Francisco, that would be perfectly normal. Yeah. Just another day there. Check out our website, Millennial Show. That's M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L. We do have two L's and two N's. We haven't bought the... Uh, typo millennial just yet like rachel did that was so smart that's Uh, really smart millennialshow.com you can get all the information you need about the show we would also appreciate your support over at patreon.com slash millennial you get ad free editions of the show bonus content like hashing it out and after dark you can be eligible for surprise bitch guest hosting the show and lots more again patreon.com slash millennial we do need your support to keep it going so we really appreciate a pledge at any level. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Pamela. <laughs> oh, just two people. Oh, <laughs> so lonely here without Laura. The outro was so short. <laughs> it, it, that, our names, that was so quick. I didn't even have a second I to know. breathe. <laughs> at, the, at the beginning of the show, I was like, oh, yeah, I have to go now because usually I wait for Laura. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see everybody in a couple of weeks. Have a nice Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye. You got a friend.
friend in me You've got a friend in me When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your past said Boy, you got a friend in me Yeah, you got a friend